You're listening to Get to Know World of Warships, a podcast created by Bogsy and Simpax. Ladies and gentlemen, I have for you a very special treat because you've all been so good to me listening to the podcast over the last couple weeks where I learned how to do it myself and uh, learned how to be a real boy after I was tossed from the nest uh, and forced to fly on my own. So to reward all of you, I have somebody very special. I have got Simpax to come back. So, Simpax, hello. I have never, ever been described as a reward. Well, this is a first for me. There are there are going to be many firsts, many many firsts today. Um, so let me just get right. Uh, let me just get right into the most important question that I think is on everybody's mind. You left us on September first, two thousand twenty, to begin your journey to Moscow in order to convince the Russians to finally buff the Seattle's turret traverse. How did it go? I was not successful in that endeavor, unfortunately. I never really. I never really got out of my apartment on that one. It was unfortunately just died as a dream. Did you uh, learn that they have these things called phones and emails, so you don't actually have to leave to ask questions like that? I consider it, but I'm trying to be low tech these days, at least in so far as social life. I see. I see. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I, I've planned to split this up into two parts. Um, what I've been doing uh, after you left is. I've been creating, well, you obviously, you and I talked about this before, but uh, I've been making fake ads for the middle middle section, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, so I'll throw a fake ad in there. Oh, yeah, by the way, to anybody listening who wasn't aware, the ads are all fake. Uh, I feel like I may it's have good, just... It's good that you have that disclaimer. I, I know your audience, and I think it's... <laughs> I'm afraid I may, I may have just ruined somebody's day. I, I should top that off by saying that the Tooth Fairy is not real either. Uh, so that's a good that's really that was really one of the good ideas uh was to do ads like that because yeah. it's just so many missed opportunities for uh creative writing and performance everything from your voicemail message to a name tag to hell you do a podcast let's make some some funny ads and, and stick them in there you know yeah, yeah. they've been uh I'll know that I've really made I've made it when somebody makes a super cut on YouTube of of all the of all the ads, all the fake ads that I do. But someday that's that's the dream, I suppose. I don't think it's quite the same when you ask for it so blatantly in the midst of the podcast. Damn it! But you know, let let that not uh, detract at all from when it ultimately happens. I Although now do. it's really going to be quite sad if it doesn't happen. Fast, <laughs> it's so. like it's like asking for a compliment. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. So, uh, may I ask you my first question? My first real question. That is a question in itself. All right. Well, but... l- let me ask you this then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Synpax. The name Synpax has been a name synonymous with TNG since its inception. So who the hell is Sinpax? And how the hell did he come to create a multi-time hurricane level from the ground up? I know that you have told previously on our podcast together that you started in a clan uh, called Iron X. So just just give me a quick brief rundown, if you don't mind, of uh, what led you to 
leave, start TNG, and then how you came to become the dictator of it. Was this about the etymology of the word syntax, or was this like, oh. was that what you were asking? No, but if if there is etymology to the word syntax, gimme. No, there isn't. But you asked the question, so I wanted to. It's just a it's just a combination of I guess two Latin um, components, sin and pax, which created peace. Sin meaning synthesized, and pax meaning peace. So. Huh. Pretty pretty simple. So there is um, I, I, yeah, strangely enough, I mean, I thought I had created it. I'd use the tag in a few different environments, but uh, the um, the name was already. I, I discovered subsequently the name had been out there in different. You know, because you've ever gone to a game, and you want oh, this is the name I'm going to use, and you enter it, or you just enter the the URL or drop into Google, and there's like, huh, there's a lot of syntaxes out there. Huh. Um, and it's yeah, you know, it's kind of a little disappointing when you think you created something unique and sort of just adding a bunch of numbers after it. It's very hard to do that these days. Oh uh, yeah, but this, the history of the clan was I started to take this game a little bit too seriously a while back, and I was in a clan, and it was kind of uh, you know, it's one of those unfortunate situations where you kind of get tired of being mediocre and you want to become better, and you do that as a clan. It involves. Um, bringing in better people uh and it's kind of the nature of how clans work in in this particular game i don't know really about i don't really play anything else i really hadn't played anything else other than this game um for an eternity at least not in anything remotely resembling a competitive environment and uh you know you can you can take the people you've got and try to improve them and build skill and you can do that yourself very intentionally but you can't you can't really do that with other people they're kind of for the most part, fixed values, and maybe their skill level isn't fixed value, but their desire to get better and invest the, mm. the time, that tends to be a fixed value. Occasionally, somebody who's kind of, you know, doesn't take the game seriously, kind of the bug gets in them, and like, wait a minute, I'm going to start focusing, I'm going to get better, they notice their numbers, start investing the time and effort or watching videos and doing whatever it takes, like anything else, to become better. But for the most part, people are fairly fixed in their interest level. Or if it changes, it changes slowly. So that requires bringing in newer people. And there was some conflict in the old clan with bringing in older people because the core of that group was a very different kind of clan. They didn't really recruit. They're basically just friends in real life to some extent been friends in different games. I have no idea what they're doing now, but I don't doubt that they're all still tight-knit and in touch. And that does not jive with the way, you know, competitiveness works in uh, in World of Warships. Mm -hmm. So there was some conflict in building it, and so I ended up deciding that was just the right thing to... I, I didn't want to... I didn't think that their leadership jived with what I wanted to do, so I created TNG kind of on the fly without much forethought usually just i was just given a you know i wasn't sure exactly what leadership was going to do with the old clan because they were getting kind of pissy and kind of drunk and i really didn't want to be uh under the uh, you know at, at that at their whim so hmm. I decided yeah i'm going to kick it out start this new group um start trying to find some innovative ways to try to climb up uh to kind of overcome that 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 sort of inherent challenge because you know you know other leagues they've got salary caps they've got drafts and other things like that to add some balance between teams um and none of that really exists in the way that clan structure or you know 
work in World of Warships. So in a way, I was kind of inventing my own game apart from World of Warships. It was basically clan management in World of Warships. Sure. And that game um, was uh, quite captivating and had uh, had far more texture than the game itself does. As, and if you think about it, 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 it you know, you think about a, a clan battle and the different, you know, ship line. I don't know what the next season. I, I, I actually have not logged into Discord uh, since shortly after I departed, mm-hmm. and really haven't paid attention to the game. But I'm sure there's another clan battle season coming up, and uh, you know, there's a you've got a finite number of ships, finite number of positions, strategies, etc. But then when you think about building a clan, the number of strategies you can engage in, the uh, the way you approach it, the way you the way there are so many different problems and puzzles to solve and the different ways to attack them are, are, are limitless. And that was that was the game that I was playing apart from, say, the game itself, apart from clan battles, apart from calling battles or designing strategy. There's sort of this overall game and not too many people play it. Um, but it was, you know, and, and sort of it's it, the way the way I had designed it. It was, it had challenges because I've mentioned this before. But if if you're a really great player, you join a really great clan, and the clan stays a really great clan because they've got really great players. You could almost look at it as you would say the Ivy League schools, right? Harvard produces phenomenal graduates, people that go on to become presidents, that go on to become Supreme Court justices, you know, all kinds of success in the business world. But they also, all of their students, the ones that enter, those are the folks who are also the cream of the crop, the best of the best go to Harvard. And the question is, well, is it really Harvard that made them presidents, Supreme Court justices, or are they just the kind of people that had that in them to begin with? And not to such an extreme or serious extent, mm-hmm. but that's how these the clans organize, and you know we just we were basically like your little land grant state school, uh, trying to find a way to uh, swing with the big boys. And uh, you know I'm I'm kind of happy with how that played out. We I think there were a lot of innovations, and you know a lot of a lot of unique puzzles and problems that had to be solved with very unique solutions. Well, I, I that's that's really interesting the way that you describe that. Um, you, you said a lot there, and I actually, man, I was thinking, oh, I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about that. So let me just real quick put a pin in two things, uh, and then we'll pick one to talk about that, and then we'll go to the other one. I just don't want to forget it. One, you described the process of running a clan and, and sort of by association running a Discord um, as a game in and of itself, meaning I'm assuming that you mean in that folks need to find... A, a, a sort of purpose and reason and therefore a reward for the effort and attention and the, uh, I guess, the interactivity that they apply towards it. Um, and it sounds like you're saying that that in its of itself almost became a more complex and um, fulfilling game than the actual shooty pixel casino boat game that we're all, you know, here for. Um, so that's point one. And then it sounded like also you sort of were mentioning that you're talking about the notion of you can only be as good, you can only learn and, and, and increase in skill or capabilities as much as the people you surround yourself with, which I think was the second point when you sort of mentioned that swinging with the big boys and, and Harvard and, you know, is it, a, is it an inherent factor of who's playing it or is it based on the people they surround themselves with? So <clears throat> let's first talk about the, um, 
let's first talk about the the notion of who you surround yourself with. Um, and I'd like to specifically sort of discuss that in terms of um, your experience the first time that TNG hit Hurricane. So if you could specifically for me just sort of describe how things were working and what led to the first time that TNG actually made it into Hurricane League. Um, it was just a, a combination of um, legacy knowledge. We learned things in the previous season um, of how things work and the need to, and we're talking about like tech, uh, techniques, like small technique things, like the need to ladder ratings. Ladder ratings means uh, telling people they either can't play or they have to go to another branch. Also became you know much more focused on uh, strategy um, rather than hey you just go over here you go over here and you know relying on player skill um, and also just cycling through enough players. I think at one point I did a count. I'm sure it's higher now, but I want to say th at that point around maybe four to five hundred people had had TNG tags on themselves at some point. So, um, if you've ever panned for gold, that's sort of how that's kind of how the the recruitment model for TNG worked. Is you just you you cat you know you're you're going through a lot of silt and trying to find those little shiny nuggets and trying to hold on to those nuggets and giving those nuggets a reason to stick around. What if, and, you, don't, if you don't mind me interjecting for a second? What was what were a few things that would uh, would would let a nugget tell you that it was a shiny nugget worth keeping well on the outset you know who got recruitment messages because that's primarily how all the recruitment happened was just raw stats um, because that's the most efficient way to sort through 90,000 players or however many are I think it's something it was something like 90,000 last time uh, we built or I built the player database um, and then you sort of say, okay, who are the people we want to at least have an initial conversation with? And the only effective way to do that is um, through stats or something else that would indicate it early on. Uh, ranking out um, demonstrates the kind of fortitude and interest in the game that uh, suggests that somebody might, you know, have have a future uh, to contribute in a meaningful way. Um, it's also some mindfulness is that um, the folks who like are walking around with deep purple. 65 70% win rate stats over 60% solo etc you know uh, phenomenal prs often those people not counting rerolls are usually at around 3 to 4000 games or higher but before they were there when they were at the 1000 or 1500 or 2000 games maybe they were just 55 or or something like that there was so this was also looking for people who would eventually have the potential to become that, but they were just a little bit earlier on that development curve mm. and finding those folks who maybe another clan wouldn't even consider somebody with 1500 games and a 53% win rate. But um, if they showed up in response to one of our messages, if they showed up for clan battles, you know, uh, 16 hours a week or something, um, and they were always there and they were participating in discussions, wanting to play around with the strategy tool, all those kinds of things, and and also getting great feedback from their captain, the crew that they were in, or the people who would give with them for randoms. I mean, many times captains would come to me and they'd say, "Hey, this player, I want them on my crew. I did a, 
you know, I played some randoms with him. And I would think about it for a minute because like, I'd say, you know, their, their numbers in my head aren't that great. Or they don't have a lot of tier 10 ships or something like that. But the captain would just say, hey, I just I play with this guy. I just want him. And I was like, okay, fine, take them. And that happened in many cases with me where I would jump into a random battle with somebody. I think, you know, I like the way they communicate. I like uh, certain aspects about them. And that kind of, you know, there's multiple levels of sorting, starting right from, hey, look at the raw stats and an invite, have initial conversation, see if they show up or not. And, you know, it's not a really big deal if somebody comes in here, they 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 say, yeah, I'm going to show up, you know, at least 75% of the time. They end up showing like, you know, the a couple times the first couple weeks of clan battles, and then we never hear from them again. It's no no real big loss to us. We just, we just cut them. But that also, but by being that open, it gives a lot of other people the opportunity to step forward and shine and be recognized and get integrated into the culture and the system and the way things uh, work while I ran things. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, you you sort of using that those parameters to, to bring new folks in. As a, as a clan leader, then, obviously, you have to provide some sort of structure in which those folks can sort of arrange themselves and, and and find a purpose within the clan. How exactly do you sort of go about doing that? How, how much of a, of a tool was Discord in that regard of sort of creating a playground for folks to come in and, and you know, stay in the clan? Well, Discord is one of those tools of building community. And we, the clan, I mean, we couldn't have, some tool like it. I think uh, originally the clan I was with initially had TeamSpeak and we migrated over to Discord, but um, people are looking, I think, for one of two things, or maybe both of these. One is some kind of uh, validation, and that is usually what you find in people who are chasing stats or chasing, uh, you know, having their clan tag in purple, or you know, just wanting to. <sighs> Have have some kind of uh, feedback that says, "Hey, you're succeeding at this game. You're good at this." A lot of cases, and I don't mean this in a critical way, but um, you may find often in video games, people pursue that feedback, you know, in this environment because they're not getting it anywhere else, and they don't know how to get it anywhere else, or they believe they're incapable of getting it anywhere else. So the fact that you know their numbers are all in purple in some pixel shooting pixel boat casino game um becomes extremely important and it's something that that's a monster that has to be fed endlessly it, it has an appetite that knows no limit and creating ways to do that within a clan especially one that's kind of only you know, at, at different stages was up and coming is somewhat difficult and, and part of the way you answer that is um things like i don't know our we had a our tng high score competition yes so that was something unique to us. I'm surprised nobody else did it, but that was just another way to add that positive feedback, people chasing those tags. Um, and then also within the clan battle environment is to make sure that um, folks are playing in crews as, you know, this it's not possible to do this perfectly. I gave up, but to get close to getting people playing with crews that are approximately of their own skill or skills, everybody's sort of close enough together that it's not always one person every always ruining the game, ruining the chance for victory. Um, so, you know, and you saw on the surveys that we did after the season, we would ask, you know, did you think your 
your skill level was about the same above or below your, you know, the career you're with. And overwhelmingly people say, you know, it's about the same. Some people say it's better, but almost nobody ever says that, you know, they're, uh, no one said they were behind <laughs> for multiple seasons. <laughs> it's amazing. So, uh, the amazing humility among uh, gamers. But uh, so sort of making sure they're always in an environment where they're being pushed. And if they lose, it's more of a collective effort or strategy effort rather than always being one person's fault. And also that means that, you know, they can really enjoy those victories. The second, I said, it's two things. So one is that, that pursuit of validation. The other is the pursuit of community. And that's something we pretty much encouraged through, you know, we have a lot of different interest channels. Um, the whole trifecta thing mm -hmm. that that is a that is that is first and foremost a community builder uh, um to for have anybody, some sense of for anybody who doesn't Sorry, know what syntax is talking about there uh, tng has a uh, screenshots channel as many many clans and discords will have a sort of a screenshot channel for sharing of things but we had a uh, we have a, a, a real fun thing where sort of any time that um, a group of tng members manages to to take all three of the top three spots uh in the team score you're encouraged to share that screenshot as a trifecta and that sort of bled into funny i guess offshoots of that where you get the trifecta in a loss called the fail facta uh and then it became quad or you know what's five quad facta yeah there have been a few quad factors <laughs> yeah i was never a fan of the fail fact i was more of a sad trifecta but you know but the thing is people are inventing and extending the culture uh, through language, through terminology, right. um, beyond the initial design, which is this sign of a healthy culture. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, it just, you know, when you when you wake up and then you maybe go to work, and you you deal with things, you know, in a very long term hierarchy like like work, especially folks who have office jobs or sort of more monotonous administrative type jobs, and maybe they don't get any sort of sense of reward i think to come back and to pop onto discord and to know that there are these folks who are playing a game with you and you can you know in good faith and in good fun sort of flex a little bit on each other or maybe like the i like the trifecta one because it's like hey the three of us did this together you know it's not like mm -hmm. look how awesome i am that was the whinge brag channel but uh the uh the trifecta was always sort of a, a fun thing just because it, it it does help build that sense of community so yeah, I, and it always I I know that it uh, earned a bit of uh, ridicule or scorn from from outsiders, but I, it, it's 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 just so simple and so uh, earnest in its uh, what it, what it's saying and what it's doing. It's it just as what you said there, right? It's earnest, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned the crew system. And I know that we did basically an entire podcast, you know, what seems like a millennia ago about sort of how the crew system in TNG works or worked. Um, but, you know, folks can always go back and, and look, listen to that if they want. Um, but I'm sort of curious to know if, uh, I guess, what made you decide to institute a crew system in the first place? Versus, you know, just the, the standard sort of, we have a, a clan of 30, 50 people and we just sort of split it up as the night comes along. Well, the original problem has to do with, it was originally a way of helping to um, manage the problem of the way clan battle scores or the point system works, uh, where you've got, let's say, your clan of 50 people and uh, 
you really need to just ladder the scores to be successful. I, there aren't too many clans out there that I'm aware of that are strong enough to not ladder. As far as I know, all of them, all of them ladder, uh, including the ones that finished first and, and have historically um, ever since the dual scores have been allowed. But even, even before that, it was even more, uh, more important that um, when you decide you're serious about your clan battle scores, that only your people, only people who can push those scores forward are playing and anybody that's a drag on the scores, well, that hurts your chances to succeed. And, you know, um, it's kind of a vicious cycle in that you build a clan around the idea of winning. Um, and if you do something that doesn't advance you towards winning, you're kind of breaking uh, the promise you made to people who joined. Even if the people who joined under the guise of winning are no longer the ones who are able to say push that top rating, mm -hmm. they're getting in the way of winning. Even there should, and that was somewhat helpful to us because, you know, it, before we had crews, we had the first big fold, which is where we folded everybody in in branch TNG one season who could not continue to advance the rating, who couldn't play on that in that division without harming its chances of gaining points into TNG2. And it was a difficult time. It was probably the most difficult thing, you know, as a clan we had to do collectively, especially the first time we did it. Um, but it had to be done. And the alternative would have been to tell these people, you know, one third through the season, you can't play clan battles anymore, which is what some clans do. Um, so what we ended up doing was moving everybody we thought could contribute to two. And then they played clan battles wherever they saw fit, as many, you know, as often as they wanted. Um, but, uh, the uh, group that was able to push the numbers would, would would remain in TNG. I see. Then, so, but there was another sort of lesson that was kind of uh, being learned is that if you get a group of people, particularly under one leader and a few core folks who have played across multiple seasons, there tends to be a collective intelligence, uh, an institutional knowledge that develops among that group, where they sort of know how to communicate they know each other's strengths and weaknesses they understand strategy together and by keeping them together so they, they kind of learn together so the idea was okay instead of just moving individual players around which is what we had initially done with uh folding is we would build these crews and have them sort of satisfy a much more granular um uh skill stratification Whereas if, if we're just moving individuals between the different branches, you know, you get, you get moved in TNG2 with some pretty good players and some pretty, you know, not quite as good players. And that causes dissatisfaction because some, maybe that pretty good player that got moved down to two, maybe he just didn't get enough face time with leadership in TNG. Maybe he has future potential to be in a clan that pushes ratings all the way through the end of the season or rotates into that group, that division that is the lead one. We need to keep that person around. But if we move him into a branch that's suddenly not competitive, where he's got to play divisions with people who are, you know, uh, a few steps behind him in skill, then that's deeply dissatisfying to him, and he may leave, right? So with the crew system, you actually build people who are relatively close in skill because the crews had priority in terms of um, who had first pick and second pick. And then after a few seasons, well, the core members of each crew, those were no longer really up for grabs anymore, but there's still plenty of new bloods uh, floating in to uh, circulating in for, you know, to, to manage. And, you know, the, 
And and then it would become a matter of, you know, the crew that really needs a CV player. Well, let's get them a good CV player, you know, right. that kind of thing. Uh, and having these crews develop and advance themselves. And, and on their own, I would say, you know, the crew captain, look, Shinobi's harsh as it sounds to say would always be looking to cut their weaker player and replace them with a new person that came in the door at least trying out new people each season um and that's kind of how it evolved so it was just a way of satisfy of um kind of having your cake and eating it too by you know better managing the point system that's forced upon us by wargaming better managing the demands of people to have to basically be playing in crews where um they're they're satisfied that uh, they're not being held back by any individuals, mm. right? right. They're playing with people who are about as good as they are, who are increasing in ability and skill as they themselves are increasing. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it, it. You don't want to have the night where you look at you know you had six wins and three losses, and the three losses are all because of the same person doing the same stupid thing. The three losses are because of something much more deeper and complicated that you can all recognize on a strategic level, and that's the kind of thing that keeps people happy enough to stick around, right? And to keep contributing and to keep developing and growing. Right. Which is, I mean, this is literally, I think I recall you saying one time that it's just inevitable for people to leave clans. It just happens due to burnout. It happens due to real life complications. It happens due to interpersonal dissatisfaction, what have you. And that ensuring that you lose the fewest number of people uh, while bringing in new people was literally the way that a clan continues to progress versus uh, flame out and die. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a, a, a churn curve that you've got to stay ahead of. So you're always going to be losing people. So you always have to be pulling in new people because if you are, if you stop recruiting, uh, you're, you're basically a dead clan. You're just waiting to become dead. If you don't have an aggressive recruitment program. Um, and you know, the diff- there are some clans just because they're at the top, they'll always be at the top because they're always recruiting the best players. Not so much a concern because they have their pick, you know, those clans are, but uh, a, a, especially when it was developing and uh, you know uh through much of the time that i was running tng we were never the name was never recruiting people it always had to be finding people who had never thought you know introducing the idea of competing uh, playing in a competitive clan to people who had never really considered it before I said wait i've never thought about that maybe it will be fun maybe it will, will be better than the clan i'm currently in or maybe i've never played competitively at all or um Never even thought of joining a clan, but I got this message. Huh, let me check it out. And, you know, bringing them through, breaking them through all the challenges that people go through when they first start playing clan battles competitively. It's Many of them enter it for the first time with a, a random battle mindset. And, you know, uh, it's, it's nothing like that at all. Right, right. Well, so... You, you touched on something perfect that's going to let me transition here, which is essentially the notion of what TNG means, what it stood for, and how people regarded it. So the name Synpax has a certain notoriety to it in the culture of World of Warships. It certainly did when I joined in January, and it took me a little while to find out why and how. Um, and I think and I think to be fair that it, that has actually changed quite a bit in the last, I would say, eight, nine months. Um, but I want to just real quick for anyone who is not, is not actually familiar with the history of it. Um, what exactly is it that made Synpax and TNG in general so notorious for so long? You're asking me? <laughs> yes, I am. Well, it seems like one of those questions that would be, uh, posited to those who consider it notorious. Oh, you don't consider it culture. notorious. Okay. Well, no, no. I mean, I understand that. It is, but I, 
the reasoning is not something that I would ever consider. I, you know, I just, I think it was probably maybe two things. First and foremost was the recruitment method, um, which I have to say is nothing short of genius, but uh, really, (laughs) but uh, really uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way for some reason. Um, Like I said, a lot of folks, they're, lives kind of center around um things like this game and uh the opportunity to complain about something and make a crusade over it is uh kind of pathetic but it happens so somebody doing something different that stands out you know suddenly that becomes uh something to criticize or make a lot of noise about or what whatever what do the kids do today meme on something they make tiktok videos whatever yeah um same same formula just a different terminology yeah i think that's part of it i think some of it is also you know i, I affected a certain personality that i would describe as uh, earnest na- na- naivety naivety the um which was i thought very effective for the game that i was playing mm-hmm. um but you know would uh it could frust. I, I understand how some some could potentially find it frustrating well let's let's talk let's let's digress into that for just a second because i always thought of myself as earnest naivete but i always thought that's just because i'm an idiot and that's just how i am and i learn i learn things quickly but i i learn it's been a struggle for me at least to to change my general outlook on how the structure of the world functions. Uh, I think I was just, it's just based on how I was raised. I was raised to be very trusting and to be very forthright and to be very honest in general. So it took me a long time to sort of realize, hey, that's fine, but you can't be foolish. You can't be stupid. You have to sort of, you have to know what the monster looks like. Otherwise, the monster can be anywhere. Um, to, To use sort of a little metaphor there, so I never thought of you as, well, earnest, yes, I would say, I would say earnesty was, was a quality of yours, but naive, you never struck me as naive. So why, why do you, why do you, why would you consider yourself naive? Oh, I, I, no, 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 I, I didn't say it was earnest or naive. I said I had affected, oh. A-F-F-E-C-T-E-D. <laughs> I see, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. A personality that could be perceived that way, and I, that was helpful, but also some would find it, like, take it. Well, the thing is that when you're perceived that way, first of all, it completely puts people, they, they, they let their guard down because they don't see you as a threat. Hmm. They also tend to think they can get one over on you. Right. Um, and that, that also means that they talk, they say a lot more than they might otherwise. And it's just a good way of getting information out of people. Or you ask them a question, and many times you ask somebody a question, I, I do this in... Uh, I, I, this is a skill that applies everywhere. But sometimes you ask somebody a question, you know what the answer is, mm-hmm. or you know the real answer. You mean like but my you question of hear, why is impact so notorious? <laughs> sure, but you want to know, but you want to know how they're going to answer the question, or 
it's it's not so much that you you don't know the answer yourself, but you just want to hear it. So sometimes when you ask somebody a question and they think, oh, this person, why is he asking me this question? If he doesn't know the answer, he must be stupid. So I, I can, or he's not that careful or um, isn't terribly sharp or is somebody I can, which is really what you're looking for, is somebody I can impress. Ah, because, yeah. and like I said, folks want to impress people. They, they want to uh, have a sense of awe. And if you willingly give somebody fulfill somebody's desire to uh, th that you're in awe of them. They're so much more likely to, to share with you, to tell you more than they maybe should otherwise. Um, so yeah, you just, the, the big doe-eyed look and say, oh, why, why is it that way? You know, and, and they kind of just give you, A, they, they don't, they're not threatened by you. They're impressed that they have the chance, or they're, they're happy to have the chance to impress somebody and have somebody in all of them and they end up speaking and saying more than they really should. It's just a pretty, a, a really good uh, human intelligence technique and, to and get, get more out of people than they would otherwise. And it, and it helps. It's delightfully insidious too. I like it. Uh, I mean, not to say that you, sir, are insidious, but just that, that description. Well, that's pretty much what you just said, but okay. <laughs> you can try to walk that one back. <laughs> I've been getting caught lately. People in my real life have been telling me to stop walking things back. But it's a little insidious. But maybe that's just from me sort of assuming that no one is trying to manipulate me. But that's foolish uh, on my well, part. But remember, what, what, I mean, when I was here, I was playing a game. There was a game I was playing. It was Clan Builder. Right. And it's just like, what can we do? How far can I take this? Um, and so it's all, that's all just, it's all part of it. And I mean, it helped that I played the game. It was okay, decent at it, I guess. Dece I mean, you know, pretty decent crew captain. Um, but uh, you probably could have done almost all of those things without actually even playing the game itself. You mean without playing Shooty Pixel Casino Boat game? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um yeah, it could very well. I in, suppose in theory, at, a certain, right? at a certain point, you you could have just sort of quietly stopped playing and said, "I'll be here to do these." I just have to, and then you know, two or three months could go by without you playing an actual game, and someone might not realize it as long as your your activity was parallel to the game in the sense that you know you have you, you're allowing other people to play it in a different capacity or something like that. I, I can right, and it was you know, and the 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 clan. Uh, Clan Simulator 2000 actually consumed more time than I put into actually, and in fact, sometimes I would just want to just, I miss playing World of Warships, sure, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, I got the, gosh, I haven't gotten to play any games this Puerto Rico I've got sitting in port, what? No, but uh, instead, the uh, it was always like, wait a minute, I've got time to do this. I'm instead going to devote it towards, I don't know, trying to recruit another, I don't know, 30 people for the next Clan Battle season or right. Uh, organize or, or talking to captains to figure out, you know, who here can do this or whatever else, um, whatever else could could uh, consume that time. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose the, the the nature of any game is that it creates other games. It creates sub games, and then it creates, I guess, whatever the opposite of, of sub game. I guess it would be macro games, maybe or meta games. Meta games. That would be probably. Uh, I guess, you know, clan leader or podcast maker or, um, you know, live. I'm sure there's plenty of other things that, that sort of come from that uh, and then maybe don't strike people immediately as, oh, this is another game within this game. Well, there, this all, uh, and it's self-designed and self-driven. I, um, like 20 years ago, I was playing this, uh, 
I was a, actually an editor and uh, writer for a gaming magazine where we review games and that kind of stuff. And I played one that's like a morgue. It was the usual morgue. But this one guy I came across had a very bizarre way of playing it. Is that every time his character would die, he would delete the character and start again. Because, you know, the character has its own death counter. You know, typically you die thousands of times, right? Because right. you're leveling the character. I lost you for a second there. Whatever. You know, people. I, I imagine people die all the time, right? Yeah, sorry, I gotta but his stop way of playing it was that uh, every time he died. I got to stop you real quick because you, you actually cut out for about 10 seconds there uh, right after you're describing what he does. Um, what he does after he, you said he deletes the character every time he dies rather than just keep a death counter you mind saying right that again? yeah so you know ordinarily in a, a morgue like uh world of warcraft you would um you know you die routinely and you just pick your character up but you keep leveling and gaining points or whatever mm -hmm. xp on your character but what he would do is that every time he died he would just delete the character and start a brand new one so it seems insane right but that was his way of he designed a game and that was that's what he was playing um doesn't seem fun to me but to him that was his thing so uh with you know your approach to world of warships i mean uh, you've seen people do all kinds of crazy stuff in randoms <laughs> yeah. sometimes they don't really know what they're doing but sometimes it's just you know that's the game they've chosen to play was they their job is to take their destroyer, go all the way around the side of the map to the back of the enemy team, and maybe try to sink a battleship or a, an aircraft carrier. Right, yeah. Who knows? There's That's any, their game. There's no limit to the sub-games a person can come up with if they give if they give it a little thought and a little bit of uh, a little bit of energy. So mm -hmm. um, we're at 40 minutes right now, and I don't I don't myself have a, a limit on how long this can go, but I do want to um, I do want to at least just get us to break here real quick. So I have a few questions from other clan leaders that were submitted to me um, for you specifically. And some of them were, you know, some were overlapping with others. Some were already questions that I was going to ask. So I picked pretty much one from each of these folks. Um, so the first question is from Eagle Lance, who's the leader of uh, 007. And he wanted to know what some of your biggest challenges were as a clan leader. Um, almost always people and their complaints and the way they don't get along with each other and <laughs> they're um, having to, and you know, you can't, if you're playing clan simulator 2000, you've, th that's an inescapable part. You, I, so I'm not complaining about it. It's just that a tremendous amount of time was dealing with disaffected players, players who are angry at somebody else, somebody had done something cut out of line or, just those interpersonal conflicts of people complaining about each other and not managing to get along. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the most complicated, the most challenging thing. Cause you know, things, everything would seem to be going and suddenly somebody does something or says something, or I start getting my inbox filled with complaints and the two people that are, you know, one person's complaining about somebody and that, that person's complaining about them. So it's like, you know, just finding the best way to mitigate that, to keep the peace. Um, uh, sometimes it means, you know, moving somebody from one crew to another, or sometimes it means getting the both the same room to talk things through. Sometimes it means kicking someone out of the clan. It's, um, so it's always, and I think this is probably true for any clan leader. It, it really is just dealing with HR issues 
and uh, people's inability to uh, get along with each other without um, having an adult come in and intervene <laughs> or smooth things over. You uh, you said that was one of your greatest challenges. Did you find it to be a ref- rewarding and fulfilling challenge, or did you find it more to be just like an emotional slog? Well, uh, if you want to eat a cake, you, you have to bake it. And some of that baking process is kind of messy and difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. So it you can't, it's an inescapable part of it. And remember it, personnel is, the, the clan, the clan success is driven first and foremost by who's in it. So, uh, the HR issues, I, I say that when I describe them as HR, it sounds like I'm being dismissive of them because, oh, it's just an HR matter. But the, the truth is that a, a clan's success or failure is entirely driven by HR issues. <laughs> Fair um, so it's like, like it, it, the, depart, the, the company is that department. So it's um, the, the thing is that the, the way I saw it or took it is in an ideal situation, I recognize the HR issues are just another puzzle that I have to solve hmm. and not to, uh, not to take them personally. I see. So uh, the next question uh, was submitted by Borla, who's always had an interest in our podcast and in helping us. Um, and he yeah, wanted to know. Nice guy. Yeah. And he also, uh, also should be noted that he also runs a very, very large clan himself uh, with multiple tiers. We always seem to have a lot of... Um, a lot of sort of, what would you call it? A lot, a lot of things, common common issues and, and common uh, experiences sort of line up and transpose easily onto one another. So uh, he wanted to know what were two or three or, you know, what have you, the most important things that you delegated out to your, uh, to your clan uh, in terms of responsibilities. And as a follow-up, what were two or three things that you would wish you had delegated but you either couldn't or you didn't? It could also just be um, one thing if that's too much. <laughs> uh, the delegation was basically the crew system um, of giving uh, a crew captain responsibility for running their crew. And uh, some initial, some new crews tended to demand more attention mm-hmm. from me and management to smooth over new crew problems. But after a season or two, find that crews would start to stand up on their own legs and not rely on that or really not have to pay them too much attention at all. Um, so I think that was probably helpful. Um, I think delegating to you some of the, um, inter-clan, uh, uh, relation stuff was probably helpful. Um, you just didn't really have any, I, I didn't think I had anybody that could really handle that well until it came along. And I certainly didn't want to handle it myself because there's only so many hours in the day and I'd rather devoted my time to, recruitment sure. honestly um so talking to other clans it's uh, wasn't really sure there was a tremendous return on that investment but i it could help and it it also serves as you know as many embassies do around the world guess what they're also where the cia station chief is <laughs> so it has the uh, additional value of providing intelligence um which can be helpful uh, a disclaimer uh, to everybody listening. I promise I'm not <laughs> tapping your phones. Anything you say in the embassy to me or anyone else, it's private. Don't worry. Well, 
Yeah, sure. Um, things I wish I'd delegated better or yeah. more of. Um, you know, I, I did hand off some recruitment responsibilities to one person, but you know, just the initial stage. Um, no, it was pretty, pretty much okay with that. I think some of the IT stuff maybe could have gotten a little bit more help with, but yeah, I can't really think of too much. I did think it was important though that um, I. I really needed to stay on top of the recruitment stuff. And that was not something that I could just hand off or parse off very, very easily. Um, Cause you, you had to bring a level of energy to recruitment that um, was hard. hard. It's hard to find that in somebody else. Um, right. can, hey, can we take a commercial break now? And I got to take a call. Yeah, Go answer the phone. Hey, you. Check out the new energy drink everyone is raving about. Maximum Uwu. You want to taste that feeling when your cat reaches out and takes your hand in its paw? Maximum Uwu. You want an energy drink that's so sweet that girls will automatically friendzone you? Maximum Uwu. You want an energy drink so fire that your eyes roll back in your head and your spine slides out your anus? Maximum then join the inexplicable side of the internet that turns everything into a character from an 8-bit Nintendo game because it has maximal cross-culture marketing appeal and put it in your body! Maximum! Thank you everybody for sticking with us through a quick break there. Uh, this is a very special episode if you're just joining us for some reason. Um, I have finally managed to get Synpax to come back after his departure. I'm very excited. We spent the first section there talking about what it means to be a clan leader, talking about the history of TNG, the history of Synpax himself, and uh, asked some questions from uh, other clan leaders. And now I have a new guest. I would like to all introduce you to Matt. Hello, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> that's so exciting. Uh, nice to see you, uh, Joey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, all right. I'm not too shy about it. I say it on my stream all the time, so. Oh, I meant to ask you, how's Bree doing? Bree's doing very, very well. Um, she and I are, are still very happy, and we're even talking about uh, making the jump to living together, as we've almost been seeing each other for a year now. So uh, things have gone well. She's joined me on my stream and has been a delightful presence um, because she's a monster, and everybody just seems to love her for being a monster on stream. So That's cool. So how's her brother Gargonzola? With what? How's her brother Gargonzola doing? Oh, man. You remember, the best idea you ever had for the podcast was to take a ship horn, play it on podcasts, and then try to have people identify what ship horn it was. Was that really the best idea? That was the best idea you ever had because I've never heard you laugh so hard as when you just were like, this is the stupidest idea ever. Yep. That, yep. Was, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, though. So yeah, the podcast was a lot of it was a lot of fun. It kind of uh, it it was purely indulgent. I I would say ninety percent indulgent. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, and honestly, I mean, the, I guess the some part of my ego is actually kind of glad that you you're continuing with it. Yeah, I mean, it's I'll be really honest. You're right. It is indulgent in some way. I feel like, at least from my part, now that I'm doing it alone, I I sort of feel like. It's it's sort of like a symbiotic thing, because from what I recall, your idea to start the podcast had always been to sort of 
shine a little bit of light on the cultural landscape of the clans. And, you know, I always sort of was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then I always suspected, too, you wanted to, like, try and mine any data and information or, you know, things you could from the folks that we talked to as well. Um, you know, that's helpful. Information is just helpful. So I always felt like it was sort of probably a reciprocal process there. So you might be getting information that's helpful to you and helpful to us as a clan. But at the same time, you're also sharing information that is or is not helpful to us with folks to whom it definitely is useful. Uh, smaller clans or clans that are growing or having issues or what have you. So I sort of look at it the same way where, you know, it, it's definitely good for me. Um, I've, I've started, I've, I've had some opportunities come up where that have allowed me to grow my stream pretty quickly. And, and I've worked hard learning how to create YouTube videos and whatnot to try and, you know, stop being a bartender, basically. That's I've, I've put some work into that. And this is very helpful for that uh, in the sense that I get to talk to folks and make some make some friendships and whatnot. Um, so it, mm -hmm. there is something self-indulgent about it, no question. But I was always proud of the fact that, um, since this is now an interview of me, of course, I was always proud of the fact that, you know, we it, it mattered to us to get down to the root of what was going on and and try to like figure out what that nugget of knowledge was and then share what the knowledge is. So that anybody listening, regardless of where their, you know, where their game is, their clan game or their worships game or their, you know, even their life game, I suppose, something they could take and put in their pocket and then pull out later when they might need it. Yeah. Did you, did I, you ever find I, that? Um, well, the, the original motivation was you, you sort of hit on it is that, um, it's it was anthropological uh i always found i've, I've been a aficionado of documentaries for a very long time and i always really liked documentaries that uh sort of dive into a niche or subculture and uh there's there's so many of them and it's it's sort of my favorite kind of documentary of uh you know there's the folks who dress up as superheroes uh, in front of the Chinese theater in Los Angeles and panhandle mm -hmm. sort of looked into their lives or one that looks into, you know, bronies or um, <laughs> uh, some other, or the culture of LARP or like l real LARPers, yeah. you know, in Northern Virginia called Darkon and kind of, you know, those kinds of, or I don't know, Harry Potter, whatever um, subcultures there are. And every clan has its own kind of culture. I just, the, the podcast is kind of an excuse to ask a bunch of questions that they, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be able to get that information unless it was the cover of, hey, if you just showed up and started asking questions, they like, hey, who is this guy? But when we say, hey, I've got a podcast, right. um, tell us how you got started. What have your big, biggest challenge been? You know, how do you balance between your theme, which might be anime and, you know, trying to become more competitive, whatever that, you know, um, and just sort of trying to get an inside view of it just because it i found it personally kind of um interesting um and you know it, more broadly it was useful as a tool for the clan i thought and making sure that it it it, it sometimes it wasn't always helpful to the clan but it never harmful mm -hmm. um and sometimes very helpful to the clan uh so th those are kind of the drivers behind it and um i i always <sighs> I was always glad to hear from people who said they enjoyed the podcast, but I, I was very careful. And I maybe you go in a different direction with this. And I maybe sensed a little bit of this from you, but I was never going to do anything for the listeners. 
I was only... <laughs> I I, or something I didn't want to do uh-huh. or didn't want to talk about. I only was going to talk about stuff that was interesting to me. And if the audience likes that, it's fine. But to, I didn't ever want to feel a sense of obligation to the listeners. We, you mm. know, we had people on that, that, that because we're, look, we never brought anybody on to talk about, I don't know, what's the best um, uh, charging handle for an AR-15, right? That's a very interesting subject to me. But it wasn't really, you know, worships related. But there was plenty of things in worships that I was kind of interested in. It's like, how do you have a My Little Pony clan? How is that supposed to work? And it, it by, you know, because it was worships related. Or, you know, how are you going to do this this CV boycott thing? Yeah. Or how did you win? Uh, you know, how, tell me about your clan getting disbanded for selling steel. That those are things that I was genuinely interested. In. I never, I never did a podcast where I faked interest in anybody. And honestly, sometimes we had some some clans on who were not the most interesting. But then, just you know, bringing out a little bit of our inner troll, or just having fun with the conversation, mm-hmm. um, just sort of made it interesting. Um, but I just never, I never since you know, hey, this is a big story we should cover on the podcast. Like you know, I deal with journalists all day, and I've. Just, talking to one a little bit before we we spoke today and they kind of have to do this thing where they've got to cover stuff whether they want to or not and i never wanted the podcast to be that because we had control over it so why do the thing that we don't want to oh there's a good reason to grow your audience oh well yes there is that right but (laughs) like i said i mean um but you know i i understand but you are approaching it as you've mentioned you no longer want to be a bartender and once you attach that motivation to anything well you know what you can't say uh pardon my oh i'm not going to curse but you can't say i don't care what the listeners think you kind of now you have to Ah, you're kind of obligated to give them well okay all right yeah (laughs) you can't say fuck the listeners you have to you know you have to do your job. There See, that's a that job relationship there. Yeah, which actually, this is a perfect way for me to segue into. Um, you know, I this. I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, I've, I'm an actor in Los Angeles, and um, no, really, yeah, it's and, funny. Usually, you're pretty open about that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I sort of. I, I guess I, I came to this bigger city as a as a young person in my twenties knowing that my entire career trajectory was built off the concept of you must build you must build out of thin air a connection to and therefore a shared responsibility with an audience full of people and it's pretty much like with theater you know it's it's pretty one-sided people don't clap in theater or they shouldn't at least um and so it's it's essentially like putting on this it's putting on this display but it's it's almost like music in the sense that you're you're putting on this thing that they're going to be judging silently and you're waiting till the end to see what they thought about it. And it's, it's the silent game that gets played in a way, um, which led me to end up doing stand-up comedy, which was a much more, it's a much more um, immediate and certainly much more immediately gratifying game in the sense that you say something every 12 seconds that better get a laugh or a clap or something. And if you don't, you fucked up. Um, which uh, leads me to LPM my LPM of six is pretty high, but which which leads me to my question: How long did you do stand-up comedy? Oh yeah, you know, you you it almost sounded like you saw doing stand-up as a downgrade from acting or something oh, that you God, did no. as a second choice. Well, it's like the the fallback, right? But yeah. I'll tell you that stand-up is um, it's sort of the trunk of a tree to a lot of things. Yeah in in the entertainment world including 
executive producing or running a studio. You look at these some of these guys' backgrounds, there's a stint of that. Oh, I did it for about this was it's kind of a different person then. It was a different era, a different time, but I'd say ten years, fifteen years, no, maybe ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I just said, Hey, this could do this and I'll give it twenty shots. I'll do it twenty times. I did it about twenty times, ended up starting a uh sketch group which was i'd say fairly successful actually made some money um you made money and we're probably yeah selling tickets to your show okay um but uh we're probably right about at the cusp of um the part where you start chasing those uh television deals um you know because you look at a lot of sketch groups that you know uh a lot you see a lot of sketch on television or at the time you know everything from uh kids in the hall to um uh reno 911 to um I, there's there've been a lot of them, key and peel etc mm-hmm. maybe them started as sort of these stage performing sketch groups and then they get a contract uh shoot a couple of pilots so we we're sort of right about that stage and then it sort of hit into hr issues where again you had this split between people who had a professional interest in it and those who had a just something you're doing for fun interest and uh anyway i was probably even a little too old for it at the time to to make a serious run at it but Mm um it was just something one of those social activities sort of pick up and put down i can count on my hand i at least 20 things just like that that i've that i've done in my life you know from being a i've done iron man triathlons i've traveled all the do them i've done uh Muay Thai, um, just all, all the different things that you, you know, all the different paths. So there was just a, a blink and uh, point in my life with it. Oh, I could do it. And part of it came from just watching stand up on television saying, oh, come on, I can do this. I can do this better. Well, okay. Well, I won't ask who you thought you could do it better then, because uh, we have a rule on this podcast of not naming and shaming, even if they are <laughs> multi millionaires. Here, the, the insult is I can't even remember the name. Oh, that's actually the better. That's the better insult. Yeah. So, mm. um, and perfect because there's no name to go along with it. Well, who who were a couple of the stand comedians that at least they clicked for you? They really jived for you and made you go. You know, I love that. I thought I would have a hard time talking about warships because I've already forgotten so much the time <laughs> I've been away. Right. Uh, yeah. And you're asking me about this. Uh, it, like I said, it was an ear, a very different time and different person so long ago. Um, the, gosh. That, that's the extent of my questions. About I, I can't even answer. I honestly, I, I, that stuff is, I'm so far removed from that. I'd rather you ask That's me, fine. That's you know, fine. what's the best way to counter a Stalingrad or something? Cause I could, even that I would struggle with, but. Well, sure. Let's, let's get back to the gray line between, between Matt and sitbacks here. So the avatars that I've seen you use in the social aspects of the game have been Senator Sheev Palpatine, Bill the Butcher, and the Shamwell guy from The Boys. So there's a common denominator here. Why'd you choose these villains as your uh, as your avatar? Do you not see them as villains? Do you just like villains? They're villains. Well, I'd, uh, well, I I I think, I think Palpatine might be a villain. I, I don't know about that. I, about that. <laughs> I knew this was going to be your answer. Go on. No, no, no. I, I'm not going <laughs> to try to try uh, to reinvent uh, somebody that's been wild, widely. Um, considered to be uh epitome of evil especially since they 
I didn't see any of them, but apparently he got brought back into some of the movies uh, at the end or something. Yeah. Oh, we talked. didn't we talk to a Star Wars clan? And we, one of the guys did, actually yeah. defended it. It was the Jedi yeah. clan. It was one of the last episodes yep. we did before uh, before you left. Yeah. And it was, oh, it was actually was interesting good. just to talk about. It actually got Oskans and I talking to the point where I'm considering doing an entire podcast where Oskans and I just talk about why he hates The Last Jedi so much. <laughs> I just because I because I, I literally I thought oh, that's stupid. It's not warships related. And then I was like, I remember you saying, fuck that. This is our podcast. We can do whatever the hell we want. You can do whatever you want. And yeah. but, you know, once you attach the word J-O-B to this, maybe you can't. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe you can't. Can. But I think if if you did label it as this episode, just us just talking about Star Trek Wars. Um, then, you know, let's skip it if they want. But, yeah. it, oh. you know, you've got a pretty broad audience. Uh, trust, I mean, Game of Thrones probably elicits similar levels of hatred for how it ended, probably. as I recall. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the overlap of the audience. You know, I one thing that um, I think I may have mentioned this too, there's uh, angle of approach, angle of entry. Yes. Right. So angle of entry. I your joke about angle of entry. Yeah, well, an angle of entry um, for this podcast is kind of interested in world warships. Now, if you started talking about, um, I don't know, the the internal politics of China, that's a very that's not what anybody came in here for, and that's no that's so far off the angle of entry that they'll just bounce off, right? Yeah. But you talk about like Star Wars. I mean, that's I'm surprised. You know, we had a transformer crossover with the game, right? It wouldn't surprise me if we had a Star Wars, you know, whatever, sell out for anybody these days, a Star Wars crossover. So, I mean, it's not, the audience is, there's a big overlap of that audience. Yeah. And what people come for when they come to this podcast, you know, it, you might lose a few people, but it's not, it, but the ones you lose are not going to be angry about it. Like, oh, you sold this out. This supposed, But it's sort of like adjacent enough, you know. It, yeah. I think you can get away with it. I, You know, the thing about Star Wars, though, is that, like, there are entire media companies dedicated specifically to creating endless content surrounding the culture of Star Wars. Like, Collider mm -hmm. is a media... I don't know if it's right to say conglomerate, but it's like it's just this media blob on, on social media that it, it is purely made a living out of scraping up the dust and the dirt left by the Star Wars atom bomb. And then arranging that dust and that dirt into little things to say, here, look at this. Isn't this interesting? Here are 10 yeah. things you didn't know about that one guy in the background in the cantina in the third movie. Isn't that interesting? You know, and they, they, sell, they have ads that go on because people are like, yeah, yeah. that is interesting. I want to know about that. Guy. And Looper and all those. And they, yeah. they do it with the headline and screenshot of the video that kind of has something circled and it makes you really want to click it that makes me yeah, want to scoop my eyeballs out with a spoon like those right. those sort of things i just what, ah. what you've really got to do those i mean I, I, there's um they're sort of creating in the people watching or seeing it a desire to know something to find something out mm -hmm. like oh these are the ways that game of thrones uh hbo series is different from the books the t top 10 ways and but the truth is that you you feel a need to find that out, but the reality is you don't. You don't. You, you have don't. no reason to need to know that, and you've got to uh, scrape whatever it is out of you that, that wants desire and recognize that you don't, and put yourself, uh, you know, focus yourself on more productive 
things than watching stupid looper videos or that kind of thing. But to go back to your original question, I always thought that those characters were just sort of interesting. And I think that using them as an icon was um, kind of a low-grade troll, you hmm. know? Is okay. that, uh, there's, the, the, there's the person you know, but then they're using this icon and, you know, the story with uh, Palpatine and, you know, Bill the Butcher and who, uh, the other guy, right? The these Shamo are all guy. people who yeah. present. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me because they present themselves <laughs> as being, you know, these really, maybe not Bill the Butcher, but the other guys is these, you know, innocent, caring very good, well-intentioned superheroes, but then the reality is <laughs> a little different. So I like playing. It was just a fun thing for me to play with. You, you know, the one that surprised me that I never saw you have, again, I, I was only in TNG since January is when I think I got poached. So uh, uh, I, I was always expecting to, had time gone on long enough, I was expecting you to have an Ozymandias uh, avatar for a while there, just because... Ozymandias is also, anybody who's not familiar, Ozymandias from the, the graphic novel The Watchmen by, um, uh, I almost said Frank Miller, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's shit. It's, my, it's like the only yeah. graphic novel I've ever read is, is The Watchmen. Um, yeah. But, you know, Ozymandias is essentially, it's a, it's a book about superheroes that are not usually superheroes, but Ozymandias is the smartest man in the world, and he attempts to essentially prevent global destruction by killing a bunch of people and it's this sort of nefarious plot but at the same time you sort of understand that his logic and his reasoning is on a different level than yours but even then there's still another level beyond that and i thought that's the sort of interesting cool character that i felt like was next in line for your avatars but just never made it there a pretty deep cut they're pretty deep cut and i will tell you that i probably never would have gone with that one although i i kind of get what you're saying because i I have personal ideological disagreements with the author of that comic book series but also because when i was reading it i just so much more identified with rorschach and really i couldn't i couldn't uh yeah so once you kind of lock in with one character even if another character seems to fit the description um that you know might be useful uh, yeah, I, I, that's a, you're right. That would definitely have been a good character, but it's just not one that I think I ever would have gotten around to. And also, it's a pretty deep cut. I'm not sure who would have, how many people would have recognized that one. Yeah. So he's a bit. I mean, how many people really recognize Bill the Butcher? So it took me a minute. Yeah, the mustache and the top hat. The stuff top hat are are dead giveaways for me for Gangs of New York. But uh, again, I, I only call him the Shamwell guy just because I've never seen the boys. Uh, I'm not opposed to it, I just haven't gotten around to it. And so I looked, I saw this smiling sort of malevolent face, and I was like, it looks like the Shamwell guy. And I asked you, I was like, why'd you do that? And you're like, it's not the Shamwell guy. It's from the boys. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, well, so let's, let me just, uh, before we move too far on, I, I do want to ask you just a couple questions about, uh, before we move away from the podcast as a topic, I do want to ask you, um, are you aware of how long 12 to 15 minutes actually is. You know, I'm not, I had no idea that it would, uh, you know, you just don't know these things until you go into it. Right. These, uh, unknown unknowns. And originally it seemed, Oh, that would be just fine. But then, uh, it wasn't. So I don't think any of them were quite that short, even though, I mean, it, although miraculously, the very first one with a very colorful guest or colorful couple of guests really was that short, you know? Yeah, 20 minutes, I think, right? 
something like that. And even yeah. then we were like, oh, we can't let it go that long in the future. <laughs> so there were definitely podcasts where I was messaging you saying, hey, uh, we got to cut this guy off. It's going on too long because yeah. they get out in the weeds on technical stuff. And it's just, I mean, I, if we're dying, the audience is definitely dying too. <laughs> and Certainly. I mean, not everybody is as uh, gifted or succinct a communicator as you are, Boxy, oh, as we learned. Succinct? And, uh, I've never been accused of being succinct. Well, I uh, succinct, uh, when, when you're, the opposite of succinct is boring. Oh, so really? Let's put I, in my when I said succinct, that's what I meant. You okay. usually tend to keep it interesting, um, except for uh, I don't know. Some of your stories have hurt a few too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that's that's a direct result of the fact that I actually have a poor short-term memory. So, uh, oh, but yeah, or just a, a limited number of stories to tell. But oh, <laughs> you're lucky. I don't have any feelings. <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, well, yeah, it was certainly it was certainly a shock to get like to go back and listen uh, to you know an episode where, given what we know now, I mean, we could have let you know we could have we probably could have talked to Lady K about ninetieth for an hour and a half, um, but it still it all managed to sort of get through in twenty minutes, and it was it was, it was funny going back and listening to that now and sort of going like wow it's like this because this will be episode. Technically, this will be um, the 53rd episode. I actually kept episode 50 open just because that was always my intention to put put you, whether it was while you were still doing it with me, put you at 50 where we just interview you, or you know after you left, I sort of went, well, I want to give him, I want to give him a break, and I don't want to drag his ass back too quickly because you know I did respect your decision to leave. It's it's important to not lose sight of you know the tangible things in your life like like work and like uh and like your loved ones and and i i respect that fundamentally and i didn't want to um try to lure you back with the shiny lights of the shooty pixel boat casino game so uh, i appreciate that consideration um, yeah. it, it would have been fine either way but i i i i hear where you're coming from and it, it's certainly from a place of kindness and uh, yes. that is not lost on me. Oh, well, good. I, uh, I <clears throat> Kindness has always been something I've tried to show, uh, especially when I have the opportunity to be destructive. Showing kind, choosing to, to be kind uh, whenever possible, I always felt like is, is a more rewarding choice. But um, uh, so th I guess the last question about the podcast necessarily is, um, I got two, really. Do you have any favorite or... Um, Maybe like, maybe not favorite. Do you have any moments or highlights or episodes even that stick out to you as something you were proud of, something that was fun, something uh, you know that was unexpected? Anything that sticks out to you? You know, honestly, and this is funny because you actually tried to limit this. <laughs> I mean, not, um, but uh, just shooting the breeze with you at the at the beginning. Oh, okay. That was by far for me. I think the most. You know, sometimes we try a little joke here or there, some some hint at sketch comedy or yeah, just just shooting the breeze, talking at the beginning, and I, I never liked how we kind of felt rushed to get through to the content or the the guest, uh, you know, to get through that. I you know, I that's sort of what I that's kind of what I like most. Um, I I was disappointed in some ways that um, we sometimes. And this isn't their fault, 
but you'd you'd want to I'd want to get a clan on because of something unique that I thought was about their culture, and then you find out well, it's just it's not really part of our culture. You know, it's, it's just yeah. it's something superficial rather than something that has real meaning. And you know, the one the clans that 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 was most that was rarely the case with were the geographic clans, right? That were centered around a, a country or a, a particular language where there was some real coherency. Um, and that was kind of interesting. But um, the other thing we kind of noticed is that even when you're trying to like find the, and I mean this in a nice way, is the real weirdos, because they're entertaining. Weirdos means different, right? Not the normal, mm-hmm. not the same. But even the ones that I would expect to be the most weird and different and out there, they often, they're all kind of the same, right? They're, the, the, the challenges, the even when you hear the the poached sin packs, it's all kind of they're all fairly similar. And I was a little dis- and it's, I'm not disappointed in anybody. I'm just disappointed, you know, that we weren't able to discover some real, I don't know, some real cultural differences mm-hmm. between clans. And uh, yeah, I I. I I'm not sure I'm answer, I don't know, I'm no, not no, sure I recall no, your that, question, but that, that was one of the things that I, so in not finding that, what I found was unexpectedly the most enjoyable part of the podcast, which just shooting the breeze with you at the beginning and talking about whatever popped into our minds and trying to make little jokes here and there. So that, yeah. that became like, rather than, okay, so tell us about your clan and, you know, <laughs> sure. I understand you guys, uh, you guys are unique because you got your start from, uh, uh, playing Quake together 20 years ago. Okay. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely... I think we figured out pretty quickly what sorts of things... What's, what sorts of uh, commonalities were going to come up regardless of who we asked. Um, you know, and, and that's where I started to sort of go, oh, shit, what do we do about this? Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of folks who... There, there'll be like a twofold problem. A, a lot of people will have very similar circumstances or stories because ultimately a clan is just a game within a game at its at its core. It's a game that facilitates a higher level of play for another game. Um, and right. so a lot of people are going to have similar, you know, well, and frankly somewhat superficial answers to the questions. And then I thought, well, is it, are we asking the wrong questions? How do we How do we get somebody to open up a little bit and I think I think as time went on we sort of we we learned better as to when to identify little bits of like I want to call them like indicators maybe of oh wait mm-hmm. that go go for that push him on that doesn't right. matter what we wrote down ahead of time he mentioned that let's talk about that right and you I I you know did you ever see the film um um it's unbreakable uh, is that the Bruce Willis one Yes. I did, but I was really drunk. Uh, well, there's this scene where he kind of realized he has, this, among his powers, in addition to being unbreakable, is that he knows that when he touches somebody, if there's, he kind of gets a glimpse at their history, including things they're not proud of, they're very maybe ashamed of. So he goes into Grand Central Station uh, during a busy commute time, just sort of puts his arms out a little bit so everybody's just bumping into him, and he keeps getting these flashes oh. of everybody he bumps into. And those are when we were doing the podcast that's what i was looking for is whenever they said something that they 
didn't really want to talk about or suggested there was something personal, something they'd rather not gotten into or something that was complicated. I knew that's where we wanted to push them hmm. because that's where you get the, the nuance. So it's sort of unique, like a conflict over a big fight that broke up over, over how the treasury was handled or something like that. Right. right. So that was, or, you know, because usually that, that's where you might find something that would be unique that would make the podcast kind of interesting is that for lack of a better term drama yeah. um, <laughs> and just sort of pull, see what, see what you could pull out of them. Um, because otherwise it's, you know, we're all playing the same game. So the nature of a clan tends to can become fairly generic. It's just the human parts of the game. The more, the closer you get to the human, the further away you get from, you know, the WSD, you know, driving a Des Moines around, um, the more you're going to find something unique and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in that regard, I I feel like there there have been one of the most rewarding. With that in mind, one of the most rewarding episodes that I think that we did was actually the CV main roundtable where we got, after season nine, where carriers in their new iteration were brought into the clan battles and made, you know, well, they made themselves felt enormously. Suddenly these competitive CV mains were, you know, worth their weight in gold or oil, I suppose, if you want to call it. Sure. Right. And so I thought in myself, I was, I was I was really glad that you were open to the idea because I thought, well, I want to hear what these guys have to say. I want to, these guys are the most hated people in the game, essentially. These are the, the best at doing the thing that the most people hate. And the, the most wonderful part about that was that these guys absolutely, like, leaned into it and were like, yeah, we know that we're hated. And that's fine. In fact... It was, what was it? It was um, CV NMSL from Rapoi on the Asian server mm -hmm. who we asked them all to sink a ship, which again, that was just a fun thing that I thought like, I thought it was a really low brow, simple, entertaining way to make each episode sort of unique and to right. sort of get something personal out of a person where they might just normally, they might talk about clan politics, they might talk about clan structure and then nothing personal comes up until... They're like, you know, ah, oh, yes, well, we're, 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 you know, we don't, we don't ta allow shit talking or not safe for work stuff in our clan. And then you're like, switch ship. You want to say, oh, the fucking Smolensk. What a piece of yeah. garbage. And like suddenly the, the politics drops and you're just hearing somebody complain like a child. You know, I thought that would be really fun. But these CV mains and especially CV NMSL, he's the last one. And he goes, I would sink the Hakuryu. And we're going, why? He goes, so that all these people saying that CV mains or CVs are overpowered will have to realize that it's not that CVs are overpowered, it's just that they're bad. And we were just like, I, I could not have scripted this better. God bless you, sir. And God bless your yeah. clan, you know. Yeah, and uh, that, that, some of these, I mean, again, I, was, I suggested this podcast was purely indulgent, but the production when you're especially of, of some of these i i thought it was uh pretty remarkable that we get folks from multiple servers like multiple cross server champions to come and talk about an upcoming clan battle season yeah, yeah. like the russian server the european server the asian server of course north america like the the production of this stuff i thought was was just crazy good that we were able to pull off and get these voices that folks just had never really heard before. And again, this goes more on the side of things of like providing useful public service. Right. 
right? Something useful to the community. It certainly got went pretty far in that direction. We, you know, no one had ever heard of these guys before. No one had heard their voices. I mean, if you don't play on their server, right? Certainly on NA, they haven't heard of these. Right. People. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you get some somebody who's like one of the number one clans from from Russia. And they just have a completely different perspective on things. And, you know, from EU and then, the, you know, the uh, the the clans from uh, Asia, I mean, just radically different. And sort of pulling and getting these people all on at the same time and talking and reacting to each other it was definitely, I'd say, absolutely interesting. And I mean, a, a real uh, a real value, I think, to people who are uh, take this game seriously. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there is actual inherent value outside of just implied value there. Like, I, when you said, we're going to get Smile on, I went, who the hell is Smile? You know, you said, oh, it's the, the champs from the Russian server. And I was like, there's a Russian server? You know, I knew there was EU, and I knew there was... <laughs> but even at that point, maybe, I think I was maybe like four or five episodes in, I, I really didn't understand that each server was its own isolated... I thought, at still at that point, I thought if I wanted to, I could literally just switch servers with my account. Um, and I could just play essentially with 200 ms latency, you know. But but sure, I'm now playing with the Europeans. I didn't realize that each was its own separate entity with its own specific culture. Um, and yeah. in fact, I still I didn't even really get a full grasp until I actually just had General Dort, um, whom you had put in the uh, in the file. You know that we always sort of stored our prospective guests. You'd put Global Rank out with Dort. You'd put that in there months ago, and I went, you know. That was that? a fast, yeah. That I remember he ranked out on all the servers and had sort of gave his analysis of the different personalities and cultures on the server and yeah. how to think they were. You know, um, I grew up before the uh, age of the internet, and um, uh, one of the things I did as a child um, was late at night when you're supposed to be asleep, I had an AM radio, and I would just <laughs> at night AM signals travel much further than they do during the day, really. And Oh, yeah, much further. So I would be in South Carolina, and I would be tuning my AM station and pick up stations from New York City, from Canada, um, in all kinds of foreign languages, you know, far, far away, Chicago, etc. And there's sort of just, to me, lying, you know, lying in bed under the covers, uh, six, seven, eight years old, playing with an AM radio, um, pulling in these signals from that that it scratched that same itch to get you know this these eu or uh mm. russian players on to talk to us or asian players it just had that that sort of that from an from another world coolness to it you know yeah so basically if if i can make a metaphor out of that you were essentially using our podcast like an am radio when we were tuning it to try and pick up mm -hmm. some signals and some culture and some music from another another culture like i said from the beginning anthropological study you know, I actually got, um, I looked into the, I looked into our, our email, our shared email account for the podcast, and I, I only do it maybe once every two or three weeks now, but like I, I saw it and somebody had emailed us and said, hey guys, I love your podcast, which is always great to hear, by the way, thank you all who do that. He said, I love the podcast, but I remember hearing something about an anthropological study and I'm just wondering when you guys are going to do it. <laughs> i was like that is fantastic that's a delightful comment like, yeah like like i thought yeah that makes sense it's, there's nothing wrong with the logic of what he just said and yet it's still so completely wrong i mean i suppose i'll have to publish a paper at the end and be like video game people are addicts <laughs> and we're you know 
the addiction of video games. You know, before I move off that last topic, I said I got to say another of my absolute favorite. There were two favorite moments I had specifically where it was something. Well, I guess one was something you did, and one the other was something that a guest did. Uh, one was when I realized what exactly the podcast could be in terms of how it actually shaped it, how it would shape a meta narrative that was going on was when we had the CV boycott guys on. Um, because, uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because, you know, I, I, I didn't actually know what your thoughts were really until we were on record talking to these guys. And then I, see, I hear you basically turn a mirror to them and be like, what are you doing? Here's what you're doing. Yeah. And I just, I was sitting there and my butt was clenched so tight cause I was so uncomfortable. And I just thought, I thought, but I thought, no, no, no. <laughs> It's true. I was so uncomfortable. I was I was sitting there, but I was like, he knows what he's doing. Let him do it. If it really gets to the point where it sounds like someone's going to cry or someone's going to get upset, like really upset, then I'll jump in and I will introduce some levity because I went to school for that. But I mean, thinking of it afterwards, I sort of went like, wow, you, you really did point out, guys, if you're trying to do something, you need, if you're going to try and make a change, a big one, you need to know exactly what the hell it is you're doing and what you want. Yeah, well, that podcast was a little unique because um, I mentioned to you that you know the the affectation of earnest naivete. Yes. It's usually something I kind of carry that to some extent with the podcast. A little bit of a little bit of smartassery mixed in there, right? But oh, but when it came to sorry. I'm sorry. I just got some really, really good news. Um, I don't know that I'm allowed to. I don't know that I'm allowed to um, say it. I think I just will. Can I tell you? Did you get community contributor? I did. Congratulations. I, well earned. I just got an email uh, saying that I've been accepted. And it is well, it is because of this. It's because of this podcast. It's a combination of the podcast and and the Twitch channel. Um. Oh, I. Wow. Okay. I'm you sorry. know, and I want to. I want to put it. I want to point something out too. Is that I know there are a lot of people that have the community contributor titles. From my and I could say this because I'm outside of it all now. But I mean, a lot of them don't actually contribute anything. Community, you do with this podcast. You absolutely are. This is a genuine contribution. We were talking about when we we're talking about the podcast. So, it was very well deserved. I'm not surprised at all. The only thing I'm surprised at is that it took so long. So. <laughs> well, you know, I I ended up moving. I, I had to sort of consolidate things because we had a YouTube channel. I had a Twitch channel. We had the podcast, you know. And so I, I did end up consolidating some of the stuff to try and make it all work together a little better. But, um, you know, I, I'm i sorry. I didn't mean to make it all about me there for a second. I, I want to – maybe this is a good time to tell you, though, that, like, it, I'm, I'm really grateful that you were willing to come back and, and chat with me here. Uh, partly because I missed you, and two, ah, <laughs> uh, partly because I missed you. I, I really enjoyed our sometimes like eleven p.m., twelve uh, twelve a.m. West Coast time. Uh, just you and I would div up together sometimes in in random div channels, and uh, and we wouldn't talk about worships really. That was when you and I would actually talk about other things. Um, it reminded sure. me of that when you said that sometimes just shooting the shit before at the beginning of a game. Um, or sorry, at the beginning of a podcast with some of your favorite stuff. But I, I don't know if, I know some people know this, but like 
when you asked me to do this with you, I think it was early April of, of this year, I had been laid off from work because of COVID. So I was sitting at home with nothing to do, um, trying to be stoic and uh, positive outlook for my lady and for my family and whatnot, and uh, privately trying not to fall apart from existential dread. So when you asked me if I wanted to do this with you, I I was thrilled because it was something to sort of ap apply value and meaning towards outside of just playing a game. And, you know, and that the very fact that I started doing that with you, it took me it took me a good eight, nine, ten episodes before I really understood what we were doing. I'm not going to lie and understood how to fit myself into that properly. Um, and it, it's it has led me to understand a better way of creating goals, applying value to them for yourself, and then also letting other people apply value to your goals so that whatever you come up with is not just something you enjoy, but is something other people can enjoy as well. And uh, a number of really fun things have happened since, since then, I suppose, since you asked me to start doing this podcast with you that would not have happened if I hadn't done it with you. And so I, I contribute you directly. I, I contribute. I um, attribute, sorry. I attribute that to you directly, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful um, to you for that. So thank you for doing that. Well, I, you're welcome. And, you know, I one of the things in terms of running the client you've got to be able to do is recognize people who've got abilities and put those put those things to work. And I... I knew you had the you had talent for this kind of thing. I recognized that immediately, immediately. And uh, you know, I had been kicking the idea around of something like this, but I, I but when I but but when you came on board to TNG, it was like, okay, this is somebody I could potentially do it with. And your your pedigree was perfect for it. You have the uh, probably the best radio voice. Um, <laughs> that I've, I've heard in a while. So it's it just and the right personality. You, if you were the person I was doing it with, I knew that uh, you could balance things out enough so that I could, I wouldn't have to entirely balance myself. Uh, I could balance against you, which would allow me uh, more latitudes in terms of where I could go um, than if, say, I was doing it by myself. So that was, that was you know, and, you know, it, it, hopefully this is uh, just the beginning of a very, uh, successful and lucrative journey for you, oh. um, but I will I will answer. We were talking about the um, the CV boycott was different because yeah. that the, I decided I decided not to use the affectation and just let the mask drop in my day to day. That's uh, multiple times a week. I'm in an environment like that, and usually the people I'm up against are pretty well armed themselves right right yeah and i kind of knew that this i kind of knew i was i was i was i bullied them is what i did i used my skills in another area against people who had no idea how to handle a potentially <laughs> hostile environment and i just clubbed them and i but i think by doing what they chose to do they had to be they I, they had to get that level of scrutiny, right? Because they they had they they had started a political movement, and right. that means the gloves come off. 
And so, you know, there's certainly, there's so, there's very little gentleness on the, in their own communications on the discord regarding clans that were participating in it, those right. that weren't, etc. So, but, you know, just being able to pull, draw uh, the, the advocates for that political movement. It was a political movement. This is politics. Sure. Yeah. Uh, drawing that out and and coming at them. Um, it was it was in some ways fun because I've never really gotten to do that on the podcast, nor would I, nor would it be um, right uh, justified or, or even. I mean, really, what would what am I going to argue with you about that? Uh, you know that you're. Um, Anime clan isn't faithful to anime or what? Come on. I mean, <laughs> right. Your, your choice in anime stinks. It's, you know, whatever. Your waifu um, is trash. Yeah. Yes, your waifu is trash. <laughs> 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 uh, um, but it just really wasn't the opportunity for it. So that that one I just decided, all right, game on. And yeah. I, rarely, I rarely, I wouldn't ordinarily leverage that, but this was a case where um, it, it was called for. What was your other favorite podcast moment? You said uh, the Something other you guessed it. Yeah, yeah. The the other moment. Sorry, did you say where you wanted to guess it? No, you said it was oh, something yeah. a guest did. Yeah, well, it was. I swear to God, it was. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. There were two moments that you did and one that a guest did, and they both actually the, the remaining two come from the same episode, which was Sub Octavian. Um, that was to me a huge high water mark because it was yeah. like, oh my god, we got the guy in charge of the development of the studio, like for all intents and purposes, it was really astounding to me. So it was, it was partly that he had the audacity to sink the Kavarovsk and just say, you know, that was the high point for me of that segment, you know, <laughs> like that segment, again, like I said, was, was always in from my, in my mind was always intended as a, a silly low brow, just, just fun indulgence where we could stop talking politics or stop talking, clan whatevers and just be like let's talk about the game what's your favorite ship you know it's it's like it sort of reminded me of like when you're a kid in school and you pass notes back and forth whatever you know about the stupidest stuff um and he has the audacity to sick the kabarovsk you know and say I, i'd just rather start over it's like oh my god it's called the ddr10 and you did start over you are a brilliant salesman sir uh i just from what i had learned i was like ah i know what's going on here this guy's this guy's smart this guy's clever um and then earlier in that episode to his face you literally call you refer to the game as shooty pixel boat casino game and i just my heart grew three sizes when you did that well, uh, i think sub knows what's up yeah i mean smart guy for for you know i think his answer about the kairos that was um honest but you know i we've you may have noticed or maybe not that we've done this entire episode of the podcast without actually talking about the game itself it's true and i think that's a good thing yeah be honest with you yeah are you over are you over the game um i kind of have to be yeah so yeah, I, uh, you know, there was something, there was something in your voice when you, when you made your decision and you shared it with us that really did tell me, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter if this is, you know, um, frightening. Like it was, it was sort of frightening for me not to, not to lie to you because anytime a sort of, don't take this the wrong way, anytime a sort of father figure or a leadership figure in general, um, departs, 
it's just a natural process of life where the figurehead, the one shouldering the responsibility and sort of trudging through the darkness and dragging everyone along with them, not to get too dramatic or anything, but when 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 they finally decide to step back and and step aside, then it means the responsibility falls on the rest of us to do that ourselves, which is, it's a natural part of life. Everyone has to do it, whether you're male or female. You have to leave the nest and fly on your own at some point. But it was frightening, and it was sudden. And, and um, But at the same time, the way you described it, I heard in your voice, I went, this is the absolute right thing for him to do. Um, and I'm not going to try and convince him to stay, because you don't seem to me, nor have you ever seemed to me, as someone who makes decisions lightly. So... I, I knew that it was the right decision for you, and I wasn't going to question it, uh, and I figured I'd give you time. I did ask you, I said, would you be willing to come back and talk to me about, you know, yourself and TNG and, and Synpax at a later date whenever you're ready? And to your credit, I could hear it in your voice, you're like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. And I went, okay, got him. Okay, I'll give him some time, but got him. Um, yeah. So, well, you yeah. know, it's just, there's a axis you know and um on one end of the axis is indulgence and the other end of the axis is obligation yeah and this thing was way too far um on the indulgence it was completely on the indulgence side and you know to do this as i had decided to play the game was was pretty consuming time-wise and intellectually fairly consuming. And it's just the kind of thing that, um, well, the the community and the friendship's really kind of cool. It doesn't mean for shit. Yeah. I'm sorry to break anybody's heart about it, but this is shit. And there are things that really do. Um, and to devote as much to an indulgence, whether it's this or... Uh, poker or uh anything else that's you know you can make a living doing poker right i can make a living doing this right but that was never going to be in the cards for me and nor would i want it because it's not where my uh vocation lies uh but it was just it was way too over into the indulgence side and uh and it was you know just costing opportunities Especially now, there I did. In some ways, it did fulfill some things. I kept certain skills sharp because what I do, where I was doing with the clan, isn't wildly different from what I do in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I learned some things that I didn't expect to learn. You know, that was going to be my it, last question. So go for it. Well, no, I was going to say that I learned more about Chinese culture through this game and this podcast than I ever could have imagined, than I, they would have ever been able to learn otherwise. Hmm. And I, and, and I, and not just from the people we interviewed from Asian clans, but I had quite a few interactions with some Chinese players um, through the clan, etc. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so illuminating to me. Um, I've, I've been all over the world. I've been to, I don't know, 31 or 32 countries. And I tend to try, especially when I was single, really try to get to know the culture and the people. And, I, you know, people, you know, it's easy to dismiss, oh, you're just a tourist or whatever. But to really try to get to know the people and their mindset and the way they see things. And, you know, sometimes it just it's just so 
starkly unexpected, so starkly different from the way you see the world. And the two times that's really occurred to me was when I was in Palestine and when I was dealing with these Chinese folks through the game. And the, the way they see the world and the way they see themselves and the way they operate, it's, it's completely, and it's, I can't think of a better word, but it is completely foreign. Like, you know, like I, I, Europe, right? You can culturally similar to the United States. You get some things, right? You, I've been all over Asia. There's, they are like, I'd say, still very unique, very different ways of certain things. You know, outside of China, very unique. The the mindset, etc., how they operate, how they see things, how they approach problem solving, how they approach difficulties, etc. Yeah. But by far the most radically different were definitely the was the Palestinians and the Chinese that I came to know through this game. And I would, you know, I would, at least the, in, in Discord and in the game, I would try to draw as much of them out of them as possible, you know, with the uh, earnest naivete, just so I could learn, so I could hear them give answers to questions. Um, it was also, uh, apart from that, it was still kind of a way to keep some organizational skills sharp, HR skills sharp, because uh, while I had ordinarily been completely engaged in that, um, type of an endeavor in the past. There was sort of a lull for me, I guess you could say vocation-wise, mm-hmm. career-wise, whatever true, where I didn't quite have that. Uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't have otherwise been able to keep those skills quite as sharp. So it, it filled the need that way. But otherwise, it's just completely indulgent. I just sort of thought about all the times I put into it that I could have done something that would have had, that would have better fulfilled, ob- or at all fulfilled obligation. And I think that, and you know remember we used to talk about um postmodernism yes we had some fun conversations about postmodernism yeah right but you kind of always gave me your definition but i never gave you mine well by all means and i thought that ours were quite different and i think the postmodernism what it means and i know philosophy uh majors will uh, get their dander up but what it really postmodern philosophy really comes down to is that if it feels good, do it. Or mm. if it feels good, it must be right. That that's the justification. And that is, I think, on the extreme end of indulgence and on the other end is obligation to to the people, you know, to your forebearers, to your children, to your family, to your community, to your religion, to your God, to your country, uh, pick whichever one you choose to, you know, uh, appeals to most. And I just think that when you look at the sort of time that gets devoted into warships versus what, you know, something that uh, it more better fulfills obligation, it just, it actually became a very easy call as that became more apparent to me. And um, you know, and I did f- still feel some obligation to the clan. I had been wanting to move on for quite a while, but I thought, okay, after clan battle season is over, and I'm pretty confident in the guys you know, that that I could potentially hand it off to. But I really can't. I, I really can't care. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I do. Can't, yeah. I can't care. I mean, you just you so, can't afford to care because I can't. Uh, it's a sort of there was a. Um, there was a there was a guy I used to work with who uh, he, he was a delightful fella. He's very very quick witted, very gregarious, lots of fun. Very tall. Big, he had this big deep stretchy voice like this, and um, 
and he he was a bartender with me and and um he would tell me that he in his he's i think he was 40 at the time about a year and a half ago or so he told me that he actually in his late 20s he had a real drug problem where he would um he would he struggled with drug addiction and uh then he ended up having a kid and he went oh this is the only thing that matters to me now the drugs right. that the drugs and alcohol that he indulged in to keep the to keep the terminology straight the drugs and alcohol that he indulged in were just that they were a selfish indulgence uh so that he didn't have to pay attention to something else that mattered mainly something outside of himself and when he had his kid he had this very sweet little boy and uh he he told me that he basically just said okay never again and he doesn't he he's never touched a touch, had a sip of alcohol since then for like 10 years something like that never tried another drug um and uh he's he's even really careful about like you know he he's so careful about it because he knows what a backslide could mean so to speak not to him but to the people who now rely on him um the bigger picture so to speak that he i mean i don't even think he takes painkillers um just because he knows he cannot touch it uh, or yeah. the great sacrifice that he made uh, to to sort of better himself would be jeopard uh, would be jeopardized, and that would therefore jeopardize the well being of other people who have now counted on him. And I actually, you know, I, th I thought about that story when you were sort of spelling it out for us, and that's why another reason why I went, "Yep, don't argue with huh. him, don't fight him, let him go, and uh, just 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 make sure he'll come back and talk to you on the podcast." Sure. That's, that's, you know, I, 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 that, uh, story rings to some extent. I, I, I definitely get it. I definitely get it. Yeah. By the way, I'm not trying to suggest that, um, any sort of hard drug is the same as World of Warships. Not at all. World of Warships is a shooty pixel book casino game. It's a lot of fun. I still enjoy it. That's why I'm making the podcast still. But I, I think that, you know, to sort of... to sort well, of I thought we were going to drive your entire audience to quit the game. That was my <laughs> goal in coming here. You're here to drop that's, a that's nuke. A <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really important. Um, I think it's really important that folks who play video games remember that it is an indulgence and there is a lot of meaning to be found in the social aspect of it, um, but that everyone should be capable and willing to stop and take a look at how much time they're devoting to an indulgence and make sure that it stays within an area that's not harmful to their lives because... Nobody wants a person to overindulge to the point where they they have to stop. I don't I don't think game developers want that because they'd like you to continue playing and continue to pay for the service they provide. And you know nobody wants to to burn out on something because then they might lose something they enjoy. So, well, yeah, it's it's not even a, a it's not just a factor of time, but a psychological, personal yeah. significance. If I mean. I guess we're trending towards, but I don't want to come across it necessarily as people get turned off by any kind of judgmentalism. But yeah. I mean, if World of Warships is the center of your universe, uh, maybe reconsider. Or any That's game for that matter. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. But you hear, you read the way people talk about it on Discord yeah, and react about it. And it's like, whew. Well, that was, that was actually something that I... You know about the the boycott as well, and and I don't want to rehash that too much because um, mm. I, I feel like this is this is winding down nicely, and I don't want to jeopardize that. But like there was something about that where I just 
I sort of went, guys, come on. It's a game. Relax. You know, like a thousand people showed up in a day to like, you know, to boycott a video game or to boycott a, a subsection of a video game. And I sort of went, eh, can we just play? Can we just, I, I, I remember video games from when I played GoldenEye 64 at my friend's house and we would literally tape pieces of cardboard to the TV screen so that the four quadrants of the screen were blocked off from each other so nobody could screen watch. Interesting. And like that was about as real world obsessive as I was going to get with the video game. Um, but um, yeah, there's and one... people. Yeah, go, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. What were you going to say? Because then I'll, I'll wrap this up. I'm saying it goes. People goes in the same direction. Um, you know, with it, all kinds of things that uh, are. I think it's in our nature to put to make something very important and focus on it and build ourselves around it. Yes, but. Often we pick things that are not um, not are, are way too far on the indulgent side and nowhere near the obligation side. I think that's I think that is apt. I would I would support that statement. Yeah. Um, well, there's something that I've always wanted to do uh, as we near the end here, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for an indulgence from you for just a moment, and that is that. Um, I have always wanted to poach Synpax. And uh, I, I just now happen to be in the position to poach Synpax. So if I may, for a moment, mm. I happen to be in an XO position in a really cool clan called TNG. Um, and if, if I may, I would like to pitch to you why uh, you, or anyone else for that matter, because I hear this is a little commercial for a clan, I would like to poach Synpax to Synpax. <sighs> All right. All right. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's get it over with. All right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, one of the reasons why I think, Synpax, that uh, you might consider joining a clan like TNG is because we have a long, long history of steady, committed, and observable growth and skill increase. This is a clan that started several years ago. Uh, as an offshoot from another clan and has built its way up consistently to a point where it now routinely ranks in a high-level hurricane along with a small roster of other NA clans. We've had good showings in COTS and things only will get better from there. We have a great Discord full of a lot of engaging and fun folks, fun and engaging, uh, who, who like to come in and socialize and uh, have a laugh here and there in divisions and whatnot. And uh, we have a podcast, I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, a podcast where we explore uh, some of the cultural aspects, more of an anthropological study, really, of uh, this game we call WoWs. And, uh, you know, we've had a little transition in leadership, but uh, I'm confident that as time goes on, we are going to continue to be one of the major competitive clans in this game. Well, I'm sure that this clan will continue to be successful with you helping as part of leadership and the other great folks who are part of it, but I must politely decline. I understand. You are uh, you are off the hook, sir. Oof. That was a nice <laughs> pitch. That was a nice pitch. That was, that was a good poach. Yeah. I, I've, I was expecting a little bit more creativity, but I like the straightforward approach. You know, I'm not a creative guy. You know, your you, your intros. I was that was always the great thing about the podcast was listening to your intros and seeing what you were going to come up with next. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Or the the lead in for a sink a ship. Yes, Those are I, always pretty good. Some days, man, I'd wake up hangover. I'd wake up hungover, and I'd just be like, I I I just I just word vomit something, and then I'd realize later, I was like, I literally repeated verbatim the sink a ship pitch from three episodes ago. It was just. I don't think anyone pays attention enough to notice. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, my friend, I, I don't have anything else warships related to talk about. Uh, I think you've answered all the questions. Uh, you know, question asked, question answered, as you like to say. Um, so, <laughs> uh, if there's anything else you'd like to say or to, to ask, what have you, floor is all yours. Otherwise, I'm good. Do I not get to uh, plug? You have a plug. Yeah. I, by all means, if you'd like us to put your uh, Discord server up, <laughs> I would be happy no, to. No, no, no. Actually, I hadn't, plugged, I hadn't logged into Discord for a month. I popped in and it's just a yeah. stack of messages. But um, no, I, uh, I'm actually going to break one of my own rules here. Okay. Break one of my old rules is that <clears throat> now you have to, I, I guess I can only do this with your permission because it's uh it is it is a, a violation of one of our old rules, but I'm going to go ahead and break it, and, okay. and then you tell me if it's okay or not. But I just want to—I know that among your audience, you might have some people who um, do uh, have a a desire to be involved more on the obligation side of that spectrum, but maybe don't know exactly how to do that because. Uh, it's, you know, the first rung of the ladder is always the most difficult. And to that end, I would like to invite anyone who has an interest in getting more involved in the world, particularly uh, those of you who have a political viewpoint that might lean a little further to the right, uh, to reach out to me, and I'll find a way to put you to use. Um, the email address I've given up before is... Uh, is fine to email me at. You can also email me at my proper email address, uh, matt at brainerd.com. That's M-A-T-T at B as in Bravo, R-A-Y, N as in November, A-R-D as in Delta.com. I'm sure Bogsy will link it below. But well. uh, reach out to me, and I will try to uh, to connect you and uh, give you the opportunity to uh, become engaged in a meaningful way. Uh, it is the least I can do. I'd be happy to put those up for you. Uh, it's funny. You and I never really talked about politics ever. That was always something that we shied away from. And, well, I didn't, uh, I didn't really see any value to it. Yeah. I mean, for, for what you and I were attempting to work together towards, that was not the right way to say that. Um, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been, probably wouldn't have been at all useful, but... Um, I mean, to and be honest, I'll be, I'll be on. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, I was Go just going to say that. I mean, whether you know, regardless of your of anybody's political leanings or affiliation, I I a hundred percent supportive of a person's desire to take a more direct engagement in things, um, in a positive and a constructive way. Because I feel like, again, regardless of person's politics, I do feel like the world is getting less considerate in the sense that people just react now rather than take a real a real measured and meaningful approach to things which i would call meaningful engagement or the opposite of indulgence i feel like a reactive personality and a reactive behavior is indulgence rather than right effort and work um so regardless of your of your you know 
what spectrum you fall under in that regard, I always, always, always encourage people to think more carefully and more critically and less reactively. Sure, yeah. sure. You know, and honestly, I've, I've been doing this, I've been working in this field since the mid nineties. And uh, I've always, I've always found talking politics to be pretty boring because you know, especially I, maybe it's just because of my background. It's if you do it for a living, you don't want to talk shop. All the sure. Time, right. But um, it, what's much more, uh, I think useful is to uh, engage in terms of organizing or advancing a certain political point of view rather than like talking because talk is just that it's talk, but m doing something meaningful, um, something concrete, I think is uh, much more uh, enjoyable or much more rewarding, but, you know, again, we go back to that old axis of indulgence versus obligation. Um, so it, it much more satis it much better satisfies that axis for me. Um, and I think that maybe some in your audience may find it to be the same. They very well might. The uh, email address he mentioned will be listed in the description below. Uh, I can say that uh, Synpax is not as scary as he sounds. So anyone uh, nervous about reaching out to him, don't be. I can say that... Uh, uh, I, I could say that it has been a very rewarding experience for me working with him on this podcast uh, and, you know, in any capacity in the game in general. But it's, it's been a true, it's been a rare privilege to do this with him. And I'm, I'm proud to be able to continue doing it, uh, even if he stepped away. So, yeah, yeah, it's really cool, too, to see that it, it, it's continuing. And, um, you know, drop me a line anytime. I'm sure we'll stay in touch uh, socially. And so far as if you ever find yourself in the D.C. area or myself in uh greater los angeles you got it man well everybody i think that's it um this i think is the longest podcast we've ever done and i couldn't think of a better reason to make it so so thank you all for sticking with us i really appreciate it and uh syntax matt thank you take it easy joey